With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch. Five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm getting tired of sucking. Simple. Cam Newton and the Patriots pull it off. Congratulations. The long losing streak has ended. That's what happens when you play the Jets. That was the Monday night game. It wrapped up week nine. Nine weeks are in the books. All games have been played. Remember the 1982 strike-shortened season? They only played nine games. They still had a Super Bowl. There was no asterisk. So, Chris, we're getting closer and closer to the equivalent of a baseball complete game I established last night on PFTPM. Once you get through the first half of the fifth, it's a complete game. That's about where the NFL is now. So that's cause for celebration. That's bigger news, You're frankly, right. Good. than what happened last night. Well, uh, I mean, it, it is. It is, but it isn't. I mean, yes, in, in totality, it's great news to hear that we're on the right path. Yes, we could say we you know, can some way formulate a playoff and a Super Bowl run right now if things got really bad, whatever, yes. But, man, last night was good. It was good, even though it was two ugly damn teams. I'll tell you that much. I mean, it really was. But, uh, nonetheless, there's a lot to discuss about the football game. The Jets being the Jets. uh, Looks like the game's there for them to be had. And New England and Cam Newton. Cam Newton might have played his best game as a pocket quarterback with the, with the New England Patriots to this point. And I know he had that game in Seattle, but it was pretty damn impressive what he did last night. They grinded it out and really, I mean, they almost had to play perfect to beat the Jets. Are, are we hearing that? Am I hearing that right? As I'm somebody in my mouth, New England had to almost play perfect to beat the New York Jets, who are the worst team we've ever seen in the history of the sport or, you know, in that discussion. But uh, good for Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. I don't know if you had – your coffee earlier than usual today or there are residual effects of some sort of medication you took last night that made you happier than usual you sound like you were excited about the game last night it didn't bother me it was good I mean I knew I wasn't looking at two Super Bowl champions that's for sure but I looked at you know one team desperate Adam Gase feel like he's looking you know into the barrel of like whoa I might be fired if we mess this up and I don't know what happens. I mean, that that wasn't the best look for them altogether. But New England under a different kind of pressure, Cam Newton under a different kind of pressure, everything like that, I did enjoy the football game. I did. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of aspects to break down. Yeah, it wasn't pretty and beautiful, but it still delivered and was not bad for Monday Night Football. Why? You thought it was that bad? I mean, you, you – let's. Let's just let's just paint with a broad brush. Give yeah. me your dominant overriding emotion as you were watching the three hours of football that played out last night. My dominant overriding emotion was that somewhere in the second quarter, the New England Patriots realized that they're no longer the mystique of the New England Patriots and they're not a good team. I feel like it hit them during the game where they were like, whoa, all right, the Jets are, you know, we're not playing bad and they're just beating us. Like, I, 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 that was the first thing I think that jumped out to me more than anything. And then just how hard it is for the New England Patriots to move the football. 
I think that would be the other thing and how hard they have to work and McDaniels and Belichick have to manage the game and Cam Newton has to play. I mean, like we saw, you know, other than not being a little aggressive in the first half, I think he let let like let the Jets off the hook with some down the field completions and checked it down. I mean, he played really good and there they were. He had to bring them back, you know, down 10 points and, you know, the start of the, the fourth quarter. Yeah, look, that was more specific than what I was hoping for. I, I, I had just a sense of resignation the whole time. Like, okay, it's Monday Night Football. It's right. on TV. It's my job. There are far worse jobs. I don't take it for granted. But this is just one of those games where I don't even know that if when the schedule came out in April, you look at it and say, hey, that's a decent game because it's still the Jets, right? It's a good rivalry or it's had its moments. Nobody was really expecting anything this year. But – uh, you know, it, look, it was still entertaining, and it, it is weird. It's fascinating in a weird way to see the Patriots try to operate successfully when they're so much less than what they used to be. And you you, you almost feel bad for them, and then you remind yourself, yeah. wait a minute, they're right. the Patriots. Right. They've got six Super Bowl trophies since 2001. I don't feel bad for them. Welcome to how it feels to be any other team in the NFL. You will have years where you stink. And I think the fact that we even pause, you know, it just something's not right. It's not right to have football season with the Patriots kind of pedestrian. So I was just kind of in this weird. Yeah, I get like, it. You know, and you know, there's no consequence here. I, I, yeah, the Patriots are my preseason pick to get to the Super Bowl, and I don't abandon them until they're mathematically eliminated. But that team that played last night, even though they won, is not getting to the Super Bowl. Chris, no. do you agree with me on that? Yeah, no, there's no way. I mean, it, right now, the way it looks, it'll be a miracle if they get into the playoffs. I mean, it, it's you know, every game is going to be tough and close, as you could see. You know, yeah, there's no Stephon Gilmore out there, but let's hit the defensive flaws. You know, continually through the game, I was texting you in the group. I mean, I know a few times where, hey, you know, you, you see all these one-on-one -on -one balls. Joe Flacco looked great last night. Yeah, New England's got no choice. They got to put all their corners on an island every play. They got no, nobody, no talent in the front seven. Their best player, Lawrence Guy, he wasn't playing. I mean, they got nothing there. So Belichick and Belichick, they got to find 9 million different ways to put people out the line of scrimmage to scare away, you know, Frank Gore and the Jets uh, run game and all of those things. I mean, so they got issues on that side of the ball. Certainly, you know, they need Stefan Gilmore, but there's no big talent. And then the offensive side of the ball, come on. I mean, what, what is there? There's not really an explosive running back. There's some solid running backs. There's no explosive wide receiver. I mean, there's no tight end at all, basically, in their game. It is Cam Newton having to drop back, be a man in the pocket, and throw lasers to guys that we've never heard of. I mean, that's really what New England is. And, you know, for that, that's where I give Cam Newton a lot of credit. That was a pressure game for him. I mean, all the pressure was on the Patriots. They were supposed to win, even though they're not that much better than the New York Jets, as we saw last night. And Cam Newton, for where he is in his career, that was a really big game for him, too. And I think with all that that was on the line and everything, Mike, and then the fact that they changed the offense, you know, this was the first game we saw. They said, screw the Cam Newton shotgun with bills and whistles, guys going in speed motion and doing all that. They got into get underneath the center, drop back to pass. Here's a handoff, play action pass. It was really a traditional I-formation offense, and he handled it well. But, man, Mike, yeah, they're, they're just they're not talented. I need to get a ruling from the control room as to whether or not you've expanded the Simsisms book by saying Bills and Wessels. You may yeah. have completed Bills and Wessels. I, I know that you one. You started with Bills. You started with Bills. <laughs> I don't think you quite got out Wessels, but <laughs> Bills and Wessels. I know I, that one. We're, that we're one, giving you a pass. Okay, Control room tells me you're getting a pass okay. on that one. Uh, <laughs> here's, here's Bill Belichick talking about how his quarterback performed in last night's victory. Cam did a great job. He hung in there. He made made some good reads and made you know some good good adjustments, good checks. Uh, that um, you know, Jets great did a good job like they always do. They put a lot of pressure um, in their in their uh, defensive packages, and so he Cam did a nice job with it.
Got the decisions some of these guys make for how they sit and how they position the camera. For <laughs> he's, like, he's like popping his head out of a hole. He doesn't to care. To the media. No, no, he never cares. Cam Newton was good last night. A couple of rushing touchdowns, 27 for 35, 274 passing yards. No touchdowns, but no picks. 99 passer rating. And Jacoby Myers, holy crap. Targeted 14 times by Cam Newton. 12 catches, 169 yards. Uh, and, you know, look, Cam has had a rough year. I, I believe that the COVID-19 diagnosis affected him in, in a variety of ways. One, the fact that he allowed himself to get it. The fact that he even could get it. So many of these guys think they're impervious to it. Remember, Odell Beckham Jr. kind of joked about it earlier this year. But I think a lot of those guys believe, I'm not catching it. It's not affecting me. And and I think he's finally starting to maybe come out of it. You know, they were concerned about his decision-making last night. Yeah. Good decisions. But not, a lot, you know, not the kind of head-scratching stuff that cost them games down uh, the, the, the past month or so. And, uh, you know, he, he look, he, he looked like the guy that I think the Panthers had hoped he would become, as you said, throwing from the pocket. At some point, you have to adjust your game if you want to play deep into your 30s. You can't run. Steve Young did that. Steve McNair did that. Yep. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers still moves a little bit, but not like he used to. Exactly. You got to operate from the pocket if you want to continue to play deep into your 30s because at some point, all those guys you used to be faster than are now as fast, if not faster than you, and they hit you and they hurt you. So... Uh, this is what we need to see more from Cam. And I think for Cam, it's about laying the foundation for next year. Yeah. Whether he's in New England or somewhere else, this is, for the balance of the season, his chance to get people to say, this is one of the guys we need to put near the top of the list as we evaluate quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I mean, agreed. He's that's that's what, that's what I mean when he's fighting for his career. I mean, he's fighting to be a starter next year, whether that's New England or somewhere else, but just to be looked at in that in that way once again. You know, you, you, there's a lot of things to bring up. You're right. I mean, with Cam Newton, hey, first thing is pocket passing. I, I don't really care who you are, whoever it is. I mean, we talk about Lamar Jackson. At some point, you're going to play some defense that's going to be able to contain your running. And in this league, you're going to have to make some throws within the general area of the pocket to beat people. I mean, that's what that's what it comes down to. Cam Newton showed that last night. But I think the big the big thing, too, is, you know, we're seeing a guy, and we heard through the telecast, and I think Brian Greasy brought it up at one point, we're just talking about, and Cam then admitted it, talking about how, yeah, early in the year, you know, he was running the offense and doing things and all of that, but he didn't really understand the offense. And for me, that this, the, I'll take it like this. He understood his package of plays. He didn't really understand the language of the offense and how it was orchestrated. And I think that's what you know that we were trying to get across in the telecast last night, too, that hurt his development. And he had to get further along in that area as far as you know all the brain gymnastics and that New England offense. It's complicated. It really is. And I think that was some of the struggles. And that was the worst part about COVID-19, Mike. The Let me ask you a question. Was, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Does the fact that he's starting to figure it out make him more likely to stick around? I, I, I think it's like, I've put in all this time. I've gone through these struggles. I'm starting to get it. Now next year will be even better, and I don't want to go somewhere else and have to do this crap all over. I think so, and I think if he can continue to crack away, you start to see the genius of the offense. You know, this is they're an elementary New England offense. They're not running Tom Brady year 17, you know, advanced geometry and and just picking people apart. No, they don't have the players to do that. They're too young. They don't even know all the rules within that offense yet. So, yeah, I think that if he can continue to stay on this path, he'll start to realize, wait, they they can fit an offense around me really well here. And man, you know, this offense, whoa, they they get, deliver me some some very easy completions and people open. So I do think that that hopefully the foundation can be laid there last, you know, from what we saw last night. Definitely. I mean, hey, what he did in the pocket, we saw it wasn't a ton of separation from any of the receivers. None of those receivers are threatening anybody deep down the field. Here, the sprite chart, you look at it. I mean, a lot of short passes. The deep passes are all around 15, 16, 20, 21, 25 yards is the farthest completion of the night. You know, he played smart. I felt like he felt the pressure in the first half of the football game. I really do. You know, and I and I know, Mike, at one time I thought I texted you. Maybe it was, you know, the producers or whatever. But 
Greasy mentioned it again to start the second half, and I wish he had showed the replay saying, you know, Cam didn't push the ball in the first half and do any of that. And that was, you know, again, we're watching it on TV, but there was a few plays where I went, oh, man, just stand there. You know, the end zone cut. I mean, there's a guy open, blah, 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 and he checked it down. And to me, that was him, you know, protecting himself, not wanting to make the big mistake, trying to run the offense to a degree. It was probably moving a little fast and crazy for him because it was different for him. Uh, but either way, he adjusted, and as you saw, in the biggest moments, he made some big-time throws to help them win the game. You know, one of the realities of learning an offense is the defense is going to try to create confusion and force you to make decisions. If you have been making mistakes, there's even more of a temptation to do that. He faced a blitz 60% of the time on yeah. his dropbacks. That's the second highest by a quarterback all season long. Uh, in the entire league, and teams are blitzing the Patriots 44% of the time. Cam is the only quarterback facing the blitz more than 40% of the time. So if you're making mistakes, if you're learning an offense, that's the best way to disrupt you because that's when your brain short circuits. If you don't know what to do and you have to make a quick decision and here comes the blitz and accelerates your process, you're more likely to make a mistake. So, you know, maybe after a game last night, do, do teams – take a step back and say right. maybe we shouldn't do this yeah. if if he's if he's now starting to figure out where his reads are and what he needs to do when he gets blitzed and he's eluding it and he's going to beat us do you think that that this influences teams to maybe back off after seeing what happened last night they might i think it might make them think twice a little bit yes but i don't think it's going to totally influence them because the blitz it, it works i mean there, there's logic to why you do it against Cam Newton. The first thing is people blitz because they go, hey, let's get pressure on them. Yeah, okay, we're a little compromised in the back end, but none of these guys are scary. We, we can man them up and blitz, or we can blitz and play zone and be aggressive behind it. So there's that factor that emboldens teams to blitz. The other factor is, hey, let's try to clog up lanes so Cam can't run around and do something like that and shoot a gap and scramble for 15 or 20 yards. Uh, and he is known to sit there in the pocket at times for a long time. But I think with what we saw last night, him knowing where to go with the ball, you know, didn't take any bad sacks that I can really remember where I went, ooh, that was stupid. He got the ball out of his hands in those situations. And, yeah, that he was pretty on target throwing the ball the rest of the night. Yeah, I think that could scare teams to a degree. To a degree of, like, all right, he knows where to go. He understands the protection. Why blitz here? Let's just double one of these receivers or take it away because there's not a lot of options here for him to go to anyways, but it's a good start for him. What could scare a defense into not blitzing would be the development of a receiver who can consistently yeah, get separation or get open and provide that target. And we mentioned Jacoby Myers earlier with 12 <laughs> catches and 169 yards. That's an impressive evening. Does that make him into a guy that that becomes that favorite target, that guy who is – the relief valve in the event of a blitz. It may have just been one game. It's hard to tell against the Jets defense because it's not like the Jets have a great defense. But the story on the Patriots for the past few years has been they don't have the receivers who can get separation and make it easier for right. a quarterback who's being blitzed, Chris, to, to, to say, hey, there's my guy who's running wide open. That's always the danger of the blitz. You're letting one guy yeah. be potentially wide-ass open, as Bruce Arians would say. And that doesn't happen with the Patriots. No, it doesn't. And, you know, the, the one guy that they had that could be that to a degree, Julian Edelman, he's not there. I mean, he would be the go-to guy in a lot of those moments last night. Not that it would be, you know, 50-yard bombs down the field, but a guy that understands route running and coverages and, oh, it's a blitz, let me speed this process up so my quarterback can hit me, all those type of things. You know, so they're, you know, let's not forget that they are missing him. They are missing Stefan Gilmore. That was a big part of their football, you know, football team as well. I mean, he is the defensive MVP that does hurt them. The trickle down effect of matchups in the pass game. I have a hard time believing all those big pass plays happen for the Jets of Stefan Gilmore's out there last night. I do. But, you know, again, I think the big thing with Cam Newton, the offense, we saw a transition to a more pro style. I think New England finally said, wait, we can't kill our quarterback and run him this much. And we just don't have enough players and offense to run, you know, the bells and whistles Cam Newton offense that I was trying to say about before with the speed sweeps and people running everywhere. They don't have the people to even do that. 
So I think they just said, we got to get in the I formation and McDaniels, you got to coach them up. And that's the approach they took. And then, you know, they hung in there and then the Jets did Jets things at the end to make sure the Patriots could win the game. It's almost like the, the you know, the original West Coast offense, that slow, methodical, extended drives. Yeah. They didn't burn anybody over the top. And, and it's almost like you're protecting your defense by keeping them off the field, too. And when you look at, at what they did in the second half, that just consistent ability. Look at their last five drives. Yeah. They were all scoring drives. Uh, that goes a long way toward propping up a defense that gives up 27 points. And, and that's... The, when you consider, I don't want to say Joe Flacco's washed up because he looked anything but washed up last night, but we would have thought going into the game that Joe Flacco's best days are far in the rearview mirror, and I know he's trying to reestablish himself, similar to the way Cam's trying to reestablish himself, but the Patriots' defense just isn't good. Let's hear from Bill Belichick on the team's past defense without Stephon Gilmore on the field. You know, defensively, we, we didn't play well in the passing game, and just um, just wasn't wasn't one of our better performances. We had some good plays where we you know had those routes covered, and then we obviously had some where we didn't. And just from an overall consistency standpoint, we got off got to defend the passing game a little bit better than we did tonight. But Punxsutawney Bill emerged a little bit more from he, his he hole popped that out a little flip. more. <laughs> um, hey, you know he he he's a master at 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 defense and you could, you could put 11 guys that you just see at four seasons, total landscaping in Philadelphia on the field. And <laughs> that's they, a good they, one. They, 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 <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll, they'll at least eventually figure out what to do with those guys. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's Belichick, but still 27 points given up to the jets. It, it kind of tells you that if this team is going to get to 500 at some point before they run out of chances to get there, it, the offense is going to be the reason, not the defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. You know, hey, the offense showed a little life last night, at least. I mean, that's that's the one thing you can look at. Hey, Flacco, I was with you. You know, I kind of what you said a minute ago. I kind of was going, man, Flacco, he needs to kind of play good tonight. To if he wants to even be a backup next year in his career. He needed to play well. So that was good for him. You know, he he didn't just stand there all night. Got out of the pocket, made some throws on the run. That's life in the 2020 NFL. You got to be able to do that. But, hey, with Denzel Mims and Perryman and Crowder, first time I think they said all year, right? All three were healthy. At least that's as good as I can remember. To, to where, all right, that's respectable. They might be able to create a little offense now with those three weapons. And Flacco did some really good things. But, man. I mean, it's 27-20. The Patriots are within a touchdown. First play, you just drop back and throw a post into double coverage. Just drop back and throw it. Interception. Oh, guess what? Cam Newton goes down and scores a touchdown. 27-27. Then to get eight yards on first down and the subsequent drive, and it's second and two, and to take a sack there? I mean, that was just unbelievable. And then, the, of course, the incompletion, the play after that, to give the Patriots the ball back immediately. You know, those are things with Joe Flacco where you just go, come on, man, you played too much football to throw that interception, to take that sack in that moment there, and ultimately what gave New England life to win the game. Quick Flacco observation. Yeah. He is one of the rare former franchise quarterbacks because right. he was the highest paid quarterback in league history from 2013 until I think Aaron Rodgers caught him and then he passed Aaron Rodgers again with his renegotiation after three seasons because the cap numbers were just ridiculous and he even got more money than he was getting. He's one of the few right. that will continue to hang around and take a paycheck once he's no longer a starter, usually the true franchise guys, if I'm not the guy, I'm, I'm not sticking around for this. I don't need to. I got the money. I got all the money. I, I'm rich as hell, as Todd Gurley would say. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. out. Right. So the idea that it's just it's kind of, I mean, hey, maybe he really loves football or maybe he's just made some really bad investments. I doubt that that's it. But you don't see franchise quarterbacks hanging around and hanging around and hanging around for any scraps they can get, Chris. No, you don't. And especially, you know, like you said, with all that money he's made, it's really rare. Like, really? Like, Mike, seriously, who who is it? Who has done that before? Like, I, now that you say it off the top of my head, I, I 
I can't really think of like a true established franchise quarterback in one spot for a long time, made a lot of deep playoff runs, Super Bowl, whatever. I, I you're right, Mike. I can't just you know, imagine. Imagine right. Brett Favre right. holding a clipboard. Oh, I can't. Dan cannot. Marino yeah. holding a clipboard. No. Now Flacco was never quite but these guys are former Super Bowl MVP. I know. So maybe one of the reasons we don't think of him that way is here he is holding a clipboard. Right. So it doesn't I, help I think it. a lot of that that ego and that mentality, you know, Randall Cunningham is one of the few great quarterbacks. And I don't know that he you know, he had moments where he was clearly a franchise quarterback, but it wasn't sustained. He collected that $4 million per year or whatever the going rate was at the time as long as he could. Well, what the hell? Why not do it? Well, All I'm yeah. doing is standing here. Right. You know? But he never had that gigantic over-the-top. You know, Mike Vick is one of the ones yeah. who but he had hung life around issues as long as too. he could. Right. Yeah. He had life issues and money issues, too, I, you know, I think, to where he had a right. hang he around. Right, he did. Right, for those, yeah. for those efforts. That's where it's weird. Joe's a good guy. He's very humble. He does not have an ego. And he's probably like, what the hell else am I going to do with my life for five months a year? Why don't I just go, you know, to practice and throw the football, watch football a little bit? And I think that's really about as much as he chalks it up to. Adam Gase will now wait to see what happens today. Let's hear from Gase before we speculate on whether or not he's going to be the coach of the Jets by dinner time tonight. Here he is. I thought, guys... They battled, you know, they laid it all, gave everything they had, and, you know, just to have, have a few mistakes that really cost us and cost us the game. You know, they had their chance, and they, they got the Patriots at a very fortunate time. The Patriots yeah. aren't good this year. Of all the games that the Jets have played, this is one that going into the season, you figure, well, no, there's no way in hell they're going to win it, and they almost won it. And it is unfortunate. And it, look, I was going to say Gase has the demeanor of a guy who's defeated, but that's kind of how he always is. He doesn't like being in that setting. And he kind of, you know, his way of manifesting it is to have like bad posture and slump around. I thought it and, was you know, and- a hair more on his face last night than usual. I mean, you're because you're right. He is that way normally. But I feel like you could really see the concern, just the, like, I can't believe we just lost that game the way we were controlling it with, you know, six, seven minutes left, all those type of things. I felt like it was the first time I really saw it in his face, though, where it was a little bit like, hey, I'm talking, but I'm also thinking behind these eyes, like, am I going to get fired in the next 24 hours? What's my life going to be like? And I, I hate that we're and, even talking about it, but. Well, yeah. right, but it's yeah. happened to but two others already this I know, year, I know. right? Bill O'Brien. Yep. Dan Quinn, both were winless. Now, here we are at the turn for the Jets. They they have their bye week. Shocker, there are no winnable games on the back end. There's no game that they're going to be favored in. So, you know, if you're Gase, at some level, do you kind of want to be out of there now? Do, I mean, look, do you want to become the next in the line of Rod Marinelli and Hugh Jackson? Do you want it to be Marinelli and Hugh and Gase as the three guys who presided over 0-16 seasons. If I'm Gase at some level, like I, I'm, I'm sufficiently self-aware to say, we had our shot to get a win last night and it didn't happen. I don't know how many more shots we're going to get to get wins. You know, I got a contract that still carries me for a couple more years. They got to pay me. Maybe, maybe it's better off scrubbing my name off of this mess and letting somebody else finish it off. I, I don't know. I mean, look, a true competitor wants to keep fighting and going and not thinking about it. But I feel like this is the moment in the season where you have the chance to take a break and look around and say, maybe it wouldn't be a bad thing if they told me to get the hell out of here. Well, he knows it's a tough spot. I, but you know these coaches, Mike. They're not wired that way. They're just not. I mean, he he. I don't think at any point does he want to throw in the you know the the towel. I, I think you get beat, but I think at a certain point you get beaten down. You get beaten you just down. Get beaten down. He, you're right, and I'm sure he is, and I'm sure he's exhausted emotionally, physically, mentally, all of that. But I still think probably in the back of his mind he's going, wait, can I find some way to salvage this, save my job, maybe it improves my job status later on in my career if I can salvage this somehow. You know, I think all those things probably have to go through his mind to where he's going to continue just to, to, you know, go forward. There's two wild cards. Yeah. There's two wild cards in all of this. Okay. Now, and let's assume that 
Gase does get to continue because the GM, Joe Douglas, wants him there. Christopher Johnson, the CEO, the acting owner, he's he's said, although that was a while ago, that he believes in Gase. And, right. and obviously the team stinks. He's perpetually trying to make chicken salad. And if you try to make chicken salad out of – if you truly would try to make chicken salad out of the chicken thing that – the, as the phrase goes, it would not be good chicken salad. Let's just let's just accept no. that you don't want to eat that no, salad, right? Uh, that's literally what he's doing with this roster. So um, you get through the season. Gase is there after week 17. You know, Woody Johnson's coming back at some point now that the person who appointed him to be the U.S. ambassador to the U.K. won't be in office come January 20. But when does Woody come back? Does Woody come back in time to actually fire and hire a coach? Maybe Woody doesn't come back till March. Maybe everybody freezes in place for one more season, at least for one more offseason. And here's the other wild card. Woody Johnson is one. The other one is Peyton Manning. Because to the extent that Trevor Lawrence has misgivings about playing for the Jets, and there's been more talk from Trevor Lawrence about keeping his options open for next year. To the extent that he's thinking about that, if Manning vouches directly to Trevor Lawrence for Adam Gase, maybe that makes Trevor Lawrence decide, what the hell, you give it a shot. Right. Because Manning would vouch for Gase. That's the thing. Gase has been, between his last two years with the Dolphins and his entire time with the Jets, it's just been one bad break, bad turn, bad thing after another. And I feel like he's never gotten a chance to get off the mat. Every time he tries to get off the mat, he gets slammed back down. So we never get a chance to see whether or not he can stand on his own two feet for an extended period of time. Is that a fair assessment? Well, I think it is. I think, you know, again, the, the one thing that I always defend with Adam Gaze is just to go, you know, yeah, all right, his offense, you know, he might not be the offensive genius that we all hope for, but his offense is good. And what do you expect his offense to do with some of the players he's had? That would just be what I would argue. You know, the, the two years with the Jets and even at the end of Miami, there was nothing there to be successful. I, I don't care who you had as your offensive coach. So that's where I think sometimes people are a little off on that evaluation. But what I just worry about here is it's a year and a half of not so good. And the perception is what it is here in the New York area. And I just don't know if he can overcome it at this point. That's that's really what it comes down to. And I just feel like, you know, at this point, it just seems a matter of, you know, you know, when instead of if. There was a next level analysis last night, mostly in jest, that Bill Belichick knew what he was doing, that he was deliberately losing to the Jets so he could avoid facing Trevor Lawrence <laughs> twice per year. I may have articulated that during the game. Uh, but here, here's the real question. What percentage of Jets fans would have actually been happy with a win? If I'm a Jets fan, I think I'm happy to see that we put a scare into the Patriots. But at the end of the day, the Trevor Lawrence project continues to be viable, right? I, I, I think so. The Patriots might be the one team where they would have gone, we'll take our one win against them as a Jets fans because they just it, it is the rivalry up here. And even for New England, the team that I think they look at as their rival is the New York Jets, even though, I mean, it hasn't been much of a rivalry as we know. But that's a tough one. I think that might be one where they'd go, okay, look, we, we'll win this one. I just hope we lose the, the rest of them to make sure we get Trevor Lawrence. Uh, everybody wants that one win. I mean, even the Jets fan, they can't want to go 0-16. I know they want Trevor Lawrence, but they really want 0-16 next to their name. Matt Casey, do you want 0-16? Oh, he doesn't give a damn. So finally, he oh, he, <laughs> he, wants, oh he wants Trevor Lawrence. That's not what he said. You didn't quote him. You misquoted him. Hey, you just give me the don't, green don't, light. Don't, don't quote him the right him. way. No, no, right. no, no. Don't <laughs> properly quote him. No. And hey, here's the thing. We know we know how inaccurate polling is now. I'll take a poll of one Jets fan. One Jets fan polled says we almost blew it last night. So that's good enough for me. <laughs> and, and hey, look, this is what I, I, I will always believe this. And the NFL doesn't want fans to think this way. They want fans to think that every team is doing its damnedest to win every single game, integrity of the game, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. If you're not going to make the playoffs, who cares what your record is? Who cares if it's 7-9 and nine or 2-14 and 14 or 1-15? and 15? Now, there is a certain level of embarrassment to going 0-16, but you know what? It's been done twice. 
in the last 12 years. They didn't disband the franchises. The Lions and Browns continue to be card-carrying members of the National Football League. It no longer has the stigma that it would have had before the Lions were the first ones to do it. So, uh, look, the Jets haven't had a franchise quarterback since Joe Namath. They've had a couple that are in the conversation they want that franchise quarterback. They need that franchise quarterback. They want a guy that will make them contenders for 15 years. And maybe it's Trevor Lawrence. And if it is, maybe they're, you know, maybe you root to be in position to draft that guy so you can find out whether or not you can finally turn the team around and become the Patriots of the be- AFC East for the next 15 years. You better get a quarterback. Look at what the Bills well, have with Josh Allen. Well, Look at what the Dolphins I have. Know. You better get a quarterback or you're going to be in last place well, for the next 15 you're years. You're right, but I don't know if they know what they got at their own quarterback. Now, one is Sam Darnold. He's got to stay healthy. I mean, that's his fault. I don't know what else to say either. You know, we've given him a free pass as far as that's concerned too. I mean – yeah, I know he got mono, but he hurt his foot the rookie year. The last, you know, he's hurt twice this year now. Took a stupid hit in the Kansas City Chiefs game when the game was over. Like, what are you doing? But with this group of receivers, I'll say that was Sam Darnold. He might have a chance here if Perryman, Mims, Crowder can stay healthy to where maybe we could at least see where he's at and they could figure it out. But, I mean, it, it, that's another one where it no. feels like the perception is already Trevor Lawrence. And look, you, you – you, uh, there's three types of teams in the NFL. Teams that have franchise quarterbacks, teams that are desperately searching for franchise quarterbacks, and teams that have a guy that they're not quite sure which way he's going to break. At some point, you got to call the ball. At some point, you got to say, this is the guy or this isn't the guy. And if it isn't the guy, you take advantage of the opportunity to get the guy who may be the guy. Because once rookie wage scale has made this a hell of a lot easier than it used to Definitely. be. You can throw the quarterback overboard. You can do the Josh Rosen thing if you want after one year because clearly better option walks through the door. That's why the Dolphins had to see what they have in Tua. And guess what? They got their guy. Keep Tua, right? I know that we've only seen two games, but you either have it or you don't. And he's got it based on what we saw on Sunday. Now, that could be subject to change, but so far so good. But you got to know. You got to know because that guy that you can get with that high draft pick, and the Dolphins may have a very high draft pick because they had the Texans' first rounder, you got to know what you have in your hand before you consider pulling a franchise quarterback out of the bush. And I think for the Jets, and we can get we can do another one-person sample here, I think Matt Casey would gladly throw Sam Darnold overboard to get Trevor Lawrence. He said, Trevor, that's it. Yeah, Trevor, well, no that's, profanity this time. Well, just yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I know, I know. You know, I mean, Trevor, <laughs> Trevor, Trevor's a phenomenon now. He's not even a quarterback. He's a phenomenon. I mean, that's what he is. That's all we've talked about for two years, basically. I mean, Trevor Lawrence coming out, he's going to be the number one pick, all those things. All, you know, again, Sam Darnold was that guy too, though. I mean, everybody was Sam Darnold coming out. He should be the number one that's pick. Right. And you know, that's right. If I it know. doesn't work, you get somebody else. But no. that's the beauty of it. I know. If it doesn't work, you get somebody it else. Is. Or like we see with the teams with young quarterbacks that are successful, when you draft a quarterback in the top five, make it all about the quarterback and get receivers and people around him to make it work to justify that pick. And the, the ones you see fail, it really is that formula. And then the ones you see successful, oh, hey, yeah, there was some stability and some talent around him. Oh, he did well with that? Oh, great. The guy who didn't have that struggled? Oh, shocker. How in the hell did we talk about that game for 36 minutes? Let me just be clear here. Let me peel back the curtain. Before the, the show, I said, I don't want to talk about this game for more than 20 minutes unless you want us talking about future schedules. And I was not I was not told that we're going to be talking about future schedules with either of these teams. And there's no reason to because they both stink. 37 minutes talking about that game. But there's a lot of angles to consider. What happens with Gase today? What happens with the Patriots going forward? What happens with Cam? Tank for Trevor. A lot of layers and levels coming out of a game that yeah. on the surface was fairly inconsequential to the broader NFL. All right, let's take a break. Speaking of tanking for Trevor, the Cowboys claim that they won't be for Trevor or any other quarterback. We'll explain next year on PFL. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, 
the Marines. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Zach's our quarterback, and, uh, I mean, we're so fired up about him and, uh, you know, him leading us in the future. And, uh, you know, it's like I said, we're focused week to week uh, right now uh, on getting better each week. And certainly we're, we're fired up about our future with that. You feel pretty strongly that Mike is the guy going into 2021, regardless of how the rest of this season plays out? Absolutely. Unequivocal. I'm reminded of the opening statement from Joe Pesci and my cousin Vinny where he stands up and says everything that guy just said is bull crap. Thank you. He didn't say crap. What I'd like to say is everything that guy just said could be bull crap. Thank you. They're not bound by any of this. They're not bound by saying that Dak's our quarterback and he's going to be our quarterback well in the future. They're not bound by saying... Mike McCarthy will unequivocally be back next year. Back in 2010, Jerry Jones said that there was no way, no how, he was going to fire Wade Phillips during the season. And then he fired Wade Phillips during the season the next week. When it happens, nobody wags a finger, especially not in post-truth America. Nobody's going to say, but you said, sir, that you would not be firing your cat. No, we, we, we cover the event and we move on. So, look, I'm not complaining about having content. We talked about this on PFTPM last night. This is what we do. We cover the sport. But I don't believe it for a second. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just saying whether or not it does or doesn't happen, either as to Dak or as to McCarthy, whether or not it happens has no relationship whatsoever to what Stephen Jones said yesterday, period. Well, well I, I, I get that. I, I, all right, so I don't know if I totally agree with you there. I, I agree with you on Mike McCarthy. I think that like is still going to be – uh, evaluated through this process. And I don't think Dallas is one to kind of just cut the cord after a year. I really do believe them, and they want to, like, play the the long play here and build something with McCarthy. Man, with Dak Prescott, Mike, I mean, well, I, I, I mean, I feel like they're cornered. I mean, first off, of course they're excited about having him back. Now they realize how awesome he is. I mean, that's the first thing. They're going to go, damn, you know, he's better than we thought he was because we are absolute crap, crap, crap when he's not here playing for us, whoa, at least we were offensively explosive when he was here, even without a run game or all that. But the other thing is, man, they're going to look real like some real jerks down there if they don't at least make a franchise offer to Dak Prescott coming off that severity of the injury. What if they're in position to get Trevor Lawrence? What if, what if, what if, what if they end up at the top of the draft order? Uh, 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 would you take Tre- – would you take – would you take – Dak Prescott paying him $37 million plus next year under the franchise tag or Trevor Lawrence with a four-year contract that would be less than $37 million for all four years combined? I'd probably take Trevor Lawrence. I probably would, okay? But that's probably about it. It has to be Trevor Lawrence, all right? And that, I don't say that lightly because I think Dak Prescott is one of the six or seven best quarterbacks in football, top eight. I mean, he's somewhere in that range. He is. I don't care what anybody says. It might not be sexy and it lacks like – you know, like cool flair when he throws it and all of that stuff. But either way, the results are sexy. And then he hangs in there and he's tough and all that. But, like, Trevor Lawrence is the only guy, Mike. I mean, I don't think any – like the Justin Fields, the kids up in North Dakota State, no way. There's some other guys that I know are going to be in this conversation too. But I just don't think uh, you can easily part ways with a guy like Dak Prescott. He's too talented. And that is an injury that, you know – I know it was serious, but I do think he'll be very close to getting back to 100%. It's not going to affect the rest, like, long-term part of his career. Chris, what's the point, though, in taking that card off the table now? There's got to be a way to stick handle through the verbal minefield to not disrespect Dak, but I also to not so. close the door on the possibility. Why, why do you do it? If Because, look, 
let's say that that you do get the Trevor Lawrence pick. Part of your leverage to get the ultimate value in trading it is to create the impression that you want him. One of the reasons why the Dolphins were offering the Bengals whatever they ultimately offered is the Bengals wanted Joe Burrow, right? If if the Bengals had put out the word that they're committed to Andy Dalton, would have been a hell of a lot easier to pry that pick away from the Cincinnati Bengals. So sometimes your best leverage is, yeah, he's our guy. You get more that way. So I I just think, and and look, I, I know, and this is one of the dangers of doing these radio interviews. If you're Stephen Jones or Jerry Jones, you're going to get yourself into a spot where while speaking extemporaneously, you're going to say something you're going to have to deal with later. But I just I don't I don't like removing options when you're a bad team that could end up with the top pick and could end up with a chance to get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I I, I understand that now. But you know what if okay now you're going to be the number three pick, right? Let's just let's just say the Jets do get number one and the Jaguars are number two. I mean, when the season's over, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with Dak? You're going to offer him the franchise tag at least, right, to start off there, right? Right. right. But but we go. don't know what pick they're going to have. Oh, I, I mean, that's the thing. Why close doors now? It makes no sense to close doors now and say that Dak. And the other thing, too, is th- this is the great disconnect that the Cowboys continue to engage in with Dak Prescott. They say all the glowing, positive things about him. Like, that's a replacement for paying him. Like, we really love Dak, and he's our future. Well, then why in the hell didn't you give him a contract offer the moment that the window opened to sign him to a long-term deal instead of screwing around, and I almost said a word other than screwing around, for the last three years while his leverage keeps going up and it keeps getting more and more expensive. And they're still doing it, Chris. They, they, they have been over a barrel because they've put themselves there with all the things they've said about Dak. Well, they definitely haven't helped their cause. I mean, yes, but also, I mean, we know they did make a good offer to him. He just wasn't, enough. wasn't to his liking. Yeah, I think that's, the, that's where... It went off the rails a little bit. Anybody I know with knowledge of the situation, it seems like Dallas thought Dak would take a little less to be the quarterback of the Cowboys. I think that's what Dallas thought, the Jones family. And it came time, and Dak said, hey, I like you guys. Nothing personal, but this is business, and I'm not taking less for nobody. Sorry. Well, so and th- Now you're proving my point. Nothing personal. This is business. We have to evaluate all of our options. Right. We have to see what happens. Okay, but Mike, like you said to start, who cares if he says this there. now? and does, He doesn't want a firestorm. Right, right. He's got enough issues in Dallas. He doesn't want right. to start talking about, now we're going to get rid of Dak Prescott but, and go to Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah, like we see, he said what he had to say. Okay, he moves on. I think they believe in Dak, right. but we'll see what that happens if they have that number one pick. I bet you that'll make him recess, Mike, like you're saying. My point is you, you don't want to complicate your effort to get maximum value if you truly do believe that Dak's the guy because now you're going to have to deal with that when you're negotiating with some other team. They're going to play back the stuff you said, and they're going to try to get you to take less. If you want to maximize the value of that pick, you don't want to take cards off the table. That's all I'm saying. I don't believe what he said. But if I was another GM negotiating with him, I would hit him over the head with what he said repeatedly and strike and strike and strike and strike and strike. That's what I would do. We're going to take a break. No, nobody got that one. Todd Gurley next on PFT Live. Must have been and strike old, and strike and strike and strike. Must have been an old movie reference again. Back. No, it wasn't. When do you think things turned in the Falcons' direction? What was the moment? Hmm. When I messed up that um, Detroit game and scored it, <laughs> you know, we figured out. <laughs> we figured out we we were we were a lot closer than winning in that game. It almost felt like there was a magnet just pulling you. How? how, how what, what? What are you experiencing in that moment? Clumsiness, <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> the way I fell. It was just like slow, almost like rolled my ankle. Do you have a sense of similarities, differences between Matt Ryan and Jared Goff? Yeah, they're both rich as hell. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was an all-timer with Todd Gurley yesterday on his day off, doing a little work for Pillsbury and the Welcome Home Project, helping house 
veterans and their families. Great cause, awesome. great discussion. The whole thing was at PFTPM yesterday if you want to check it out. A new background uh, for you there, too. New ba- I've never seen you do an interview there. Nice setting. Nice, uh, nice, Another nice look inside of Chateau, Chateau de Florio. I, Very nice. I just moved I just moved to another side of the table. That's yeah, it. Sure you That's did. On, on, on the recommendation. No, it's the same room. I just moved to the other side of the table. That's it. Damn, it's That's a big it. room. That's all. Ooh, it's a big yeah, room. Well, no, it's just a table. <laughs> you, you sit on one side of the table, you have one thing behind it's, it's a very simple concept you move to the other side of the table you have something else behind right. you. all right the the falcons now have nine games behind them um I, look i don't know where the signs of hope are here but i think raheem morris may be coaching his way into the job the problem is it's not going to be easy the rest of the way they still got the bucks twice the saints twice they got the chiefs coming up uh it's not going to be easy yeah got the raiders I, they've certainly had a better look about their football team i mean i don't think there's any doubt about that offense is better defense is better defense has been like a lot better. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think that's the thing that's jumped out to me more than anything. And then Raheem seems to have the guys believing and playing playing hard. I mean, they're physical. He's brought a little creativity to the defensive side of the ball and the things they do there. And, of course, we know they got weapons on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know. I don't know if he can realistically save his own job and become the head coach. I'll be interested to see where this goes. I mean, they're an interesting team altogether. And just that, that all – but, but – uh, they look better. I'll say that, but I still don't expect them to make the playoffs. I don't. I don't. I think the schedule is too tough down the down the road here, and they'll lose, you know, another game or two for sure. Yeah, I look. I, I agree with you completely. This is about deciding whether or not Raheem is the guy, and th- this is going to be the challenge. If you're Arthur Blank, the owner of the team, Rich McKay, the CEO, look, they're going to hire a GM also, but will they do enough? in games that they are likely to lose if they do indeed lose those games to still convince the powers that be that Raheem Morris is the answer. Or are they going to feel compelled to just rip the Band-Aid off? That would we be... Need, we need somebody who wasn't connected to any exactly. of the stuff that's gone on here that's over the, the past question. several years. Yeah, that, that to me, I, I think that's the big question. Do you really want to continue this you know, prior regime, really? Or do you want to rip it off and let's just get all new ideas, new new everything, new coaches, of course the new GM, and just an overall rehaul of the organizational belief? That is what they're going to have to re- you know figure out here down the stretch. Raheem's awesome. I got a lot of experience with Raheem. He's got great energy. He's a great leader. He's an outside-the-box thinker. He deserves to be a head coach again. He does. I just don't know if that right now with Atlanta is the right time. All right, we're going to take a break. Full hour PFT Live still to come. We'll be back with much more right after this. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch. Buy bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 